watch this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson, and I'm here talking all things. So for a Devil's Joining the Show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside. Paul, how's the summer holidays treating yourself? Keeping Britain warm or busy doing other things? I've got I've got Tuesdays off. Tuesday's my day off with the kids, so like today's Tuesday, so we're recording this. So I've had a little day out with them today. We had a little bus trip to, to mount the bright lights of Manchester City Centre and got the train home and had a coffee and a mooch about, so uh, we're in the cathedral. Yeah, we had a good day. Next next week we've planned to go to Southport for the day. Oh. We had a, we saw a train going to Southport when was we was coming home. So we said, "Oh, price it up, see how much it is." And it's not that expensive to, for three of us. So we're going there on a return trip next week. So that's our day out next Tuesday. So yeah, I'm doing all right. Work's busy and that, but it's nice to have a bit of time off with it with the kids and the holidays. I mean, how are you coping with, with your two kids? Oh, it's manic every day. Every day is something going on, isn't it? Yeah. Last yeah. week I went to Jodrell Bank. You ever been to Jodrell Jodrell Bank, Paul? No, I should have gone there about ten years ago. Ellen got me some tickets for Paul mm. Weller. He had a concert there, and it got cancelled because of the weather. And I've still got my ticket, but I never went because obviously the show got cancelled. So I've never been back. But I've, I've I've drove past it at work a few weeks ago. Actually, I think it was the last week. I think I drove past it last week. It looks an impressive, an impressive place. Mm. Yeah, super stuff. Big satellites scanning the skies for planets and stars, and very interactive for the kids as well. Would would definitely recommend if you've got kids uh, to 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 kill a couple of hours uh, down there. I went down and with my kids and. There's a big, like you say, satellite scanning, scanning planets. And they talked about sort of different planets that they'd, they'd found. Something like 4,500, they call them exoplanets, which is basically planets that could be habitable. And I was like, whoa. So I looked into it a bit deeper because there's a big thing on the wall. And the name are like random numbers and random letters. And I thought, that's a bit lazy. Considering science and getting this big satellite to telescope satellite to scan the sky and all the science behind that to find a planet and think what we'll do we'll call it one zero 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 a i mean so yeah I thought to myself, hey. what i'm going to do here opportunity for this podcast here so i asked them i said how do i name a planet so they gave me nasa's email address so i emailed them and this is what Hi. i said <laughs> dear nasa i'm rob parkinson and i'm producer of devon the detail podcast our podcast is a show which talks about everything sold for red devils in the world. And it's celebrating its 150th birthday this year, which is fantastic. I recently visited Jodrell Bank in Manchester and saw your telescopes and all the things that spots the planets and the stars and everything in space. was very impressive. I came across a information that says that you've discovered 4,000 exoplanets and on further inspection, realised that you name them 100X, etc. And I think that's lazy. So, to give you an idea, if when you come across new planets, why don't you name your next planet, planet Devil in the Detail SRD? I think that would be great for us, for publicity, great for the club, and great for rugby league as well. There's only three demands that I would like in, in response for this. One, if there is water on this planet, I want it to be called Whiteside's World of Water. If there's mountains, I want it to be called Parkes Pyrenees. And if there's moons going around this planet, I want it to be called Zenith 1 or Zenith 2, depending on how many moons there is. Obviously, the end of it was thanks. Thanks for listening to me and hope to see you soon. So, a couple of hours later, got a reply. Dear Rob. Did you? Thanks for your 
letter or through your email. It's been passed to the relevant department. Yours sincerely, NASA. So he emailed like, you back. Wow. wow. So that's exciting. So we're hoping. You never know. There could be there could be something out there called the Devil in the yeah. Detail planet. We've rather than a little red little red Martians on it. Mm. About. <laughs> could be, <laughs> be playing second role for us in about twenty years' time. <laughs> well, yeah, we've got this. We've got this partnership with Garn, and we could get a partnership going with them. There's any big lads there? We get them all for the prop. This is it for profit this and that for us? Yeah, yeah, we could be quids in. <laughs> be cheap as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's well, something to cool. to look forward to. So we'll keep here, keep our listeners informed about that. And uh, if anything comes up, probably won't do. But I think you never know. planets are like philosophers and all that. And I suppose, was it 4,000 microplanet, uh, exoplanets? You run out of things to call them, don't you, really? So that's why yeah, I suppose, I suppose so. it's all ones and zeros and Xs. I just always lazy. So just thought, opportunity, see what happens. You jump at an opportunity, you Rob, don't Try you? to. You jump at it. <laughs> Let's keep our fingers crossed, eh? You never know. You never this know. It. This is it. So we've not done a podcast for a couple of weeks. So there's loads to go at. Uh, we'll look back at the wins for teams, the, the men, the women and the reserves. We've got all the news coming out of the club in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and then we're going to preview uh, this week's game. So we'll start with the, def- the defeat against St. Helens. You're listening to Devil in the Detail and this is your Big Match Review. So, so for the Devils were defeated against St. Ellens at the Salford City Stadium. They went down to defeat 18 points to 15, Paul. It's been a couple of weeks, so get the memory cells out and tell us all about it. Yeah, I thought they came out all guns blazing, to be honest, Rob. We'd had disappointment in Catalan, that we really beaten, well beaten in Catalan by, by the better side, really. And we got some players back for that game, didn't we, Tim? Like, I returned, Mark Sneed returned. We had a bit more beef. We had Brad Singleton making his debut. So, on paper, the side before the game looked an impressive lineup, probably the strongest one we've had for a, for a few weeks. And, and I thought they came out all guns blazing, real intensity. And, and smashed St. Helens in that first half and probably should have scored more points than we did. But 15 points to two, I thought, was reflect a good reflection of the first half. Mm. And, and yeah, it gave us a, a lot to go. And we knew it was going to be tough in the second half. And there was a couple of calls that went against us again. And one of them was a big one. We were getting a player Simbin. And, and credit Saints, they came back into the game and we, we sort of ran out of steam, to be honest, at the end. But, but yeah, it was a good performance. I, th- I thought we deserved something from the game. To, to get beat, I thought it was unlucky to, to lose the game. And I came away from the game thinking that's three home games where we probably should have won all three of them against Leeds, Leeds and, uh, and St. Helens. So 26 points would have had a sat in fourth in the table. So I thought it was a valiant effort, Rob, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think for me, Paul, another game, like you say, we're in the lead there, 15 2 up, and we lose it. It's not the first time that's happened this season. I think it's three times. Two times, sorry, where we've been more than two scores up and sort of three times where we've been a couple couple of points up. It's not a good sign that we aren't able to sort of hold these leads and kick on. I know it's Settlers. I know they are a top team. I know it's the Settlers way. They're all, they, they'll, they'll play in, until the very, very end. Uh, I do agree about the, the sim being in was, from cross was crucial. A lot of people talk about the referees decision making Paul Rowler went in two footed on the referees in the in the press conference after the game part of me kind of agrees with him that we are unfairly treated sometimes but it's the same for both sides for, for me there were a few odd decisions which 
went in our favour as well. If you were a Saints fan and you were watching that game, you'd be miffed on a couple of occasions. So, yeah, disappointing that we didn't tie the game up, tie the, the win up at 15-2 up. But it was sounds. Yeah, I get that. People say about like it evens itself out and things like that. But I think what sort of narked the supporters and narked me really was the that one where his foot was in touch. Hmm. It, it was really crucial because the, on the, the next play from that, that's when Cross gets simbined and they score two tries while he's in the simbin. So if that, that call is in touch, we get the ball back. Dion Cross don't get simbin. St. Helens don't, don't score and you probably go on and win the game. So it's it is a, it's a big one, that. It's not... Sometimes you can have tries disallowed or a forward pass gets away, but that that was a, was a real double whammy, I thought, that one. It was a, a massive decision, but... Would we have gone and won the game? I don't know, because as I said, we were running out of steam in that second half. We put an awful lot into the first half and they sort of clung on. They've got some classic players. I mean, that Wellesby had a good game in the second half and we couldn't really hold them. And I thought what it was alarming, really, the way we unravelled a bit in that last 20 minutes. They, they were ripping us to pieces, weren't they? And Yeah, it was a valiant effort. I don't think we deserved to lose the game, Rob. I thought, I thought it was a good good match and 15-2. There was nothing in it, was it? 18-15, there was nothing in the game at all. But what you've got to do is now, as a positive, you've got to take that, that performance and that attitude into the Huddersfield game and the Wakefield game that are coming up. And if you play like that with that intensity, they'll win both those matches. Mm. So that's what you've got to do. When you look at the Catalan game, it was flat. We had players missing. You get those players back, you've got a stronger side. We looked a totally different team. We looked dangerous. We looked, we looked better, we looked miles better with, with Tim Lafayette in there as well So and Sneedy back. So I think we've got a focus on the six games, six, six games left now. We've got to focus on those matches and just try and win as many as we can. And if we do, we've got a good chance of finishing in the top six. Yeah. Paul Rowley in the press conference wasn't screaming and shouting, wasn't raging, just calmly. And that, that's the most, sort of the scariest thing about it. He was, he was all facts, but for him, talked about Kendall's and Moore being the best referees and us not getting them as much as we should. And I, was, I don't know how, what you get from calling officials out after games. I don't know how that, how that sort of works when they sort of play, sort of referee us again. Like I said, we, we, we talked about the pink boot on the on the, the touch and the touch line. If you watch the sort of the official footage where you can hear the referee and the linesman communicating as the Saints player gets sort of put on his foot on the touch, there's no communication between the referee or the linesman. It's just silence until I think it's Dion Cross tries to kind of shimmy his other foot onto the line where and then I think the linesman shouts no. So you you're asking the left referee to spot a foot in touch from 15 yards away. Yeah, linesman's on top of it. He should see it and he doesn't. But that's another thing about referees and linesmen working together or not working together in this in this situation to get the best result. And I think we got it done there. Touch judge, Rob. Touch judge. Yeah. Linesman's football. Okay. <laughs> right, it winds me up that when people say Does that. Does it? Uh, no, yeah, it's touch judge. No, what I was going to say is, if you look at it from another point of view and take your sort of blinkers off, I look at the matches now and I watch them on the telly. I watch a bit of the cup final. It must be difficult for a referee because the game is so fast. Mm. I mean, even Australia, it's even quicker. But it, it, sometimes I think it's too fast. I think we've made the sport too fast. And I spoke to people who don't watch rugby league. You sort of laugh, watch it and watch it, watch the odd game because because I'm so passionate about it. And I talk to my friends about it and people like that. And they'll, they'll watch it and go, what's happened there? I can't really follow it because... It can be a bit too quick, and I think we've we've made it like that. I think over the last years, it doesn't need to be any quicker. Mm. And I think 
with that six again rule, you're making the game even quicker than it needs to be. Just, just take that out of it. If, if there's an infringement there, just give a penalty. Why does it need to be a repeat set? And it's just all fast and fast and fast and fast all the time. And a referee's a human. He, they can't always keep up with the play. I mean, you can say, oh, he should be keeping up his full time and all that. But that that much happens. I mean, it's so difficult to keep up with stuff. I mean, you look at the video replays, right? There was one at the, the Challenge Cup final on, on the weekend. I think they spent about 10 minutes trying to decide it. Yeah. So if you've got a video ref that can't decide over it, how's a referee supposed to see it in real time? So so I don't know. I think it's a difficult job, isn't it? And I mean, if you, if you go through all the games over the weekend, no matter who's playing, whether it be Warrington and Leeds or Catalans and Lee or whatever, there'll be a decision in all those games that the referee's probably got badly wrong. But mm. I don't think it's the fact that he wanted to get it wrong because he's bite us. He's probably just not seen it. Mm. Or he such as hasn't seen it because I don't I don't I sound like I'm sticking up for referees. I'm not. I don't think they go out there to manipulate a game because I've seen people. Someone put on my preview today. Oh, we've got no chance of winning Uddersfield because the referee will be biased and this and the other. And I think if you go into a match in that frame of mind, mm. probably shouldn't really be going to the match. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's like that, but I do think. This this video referee thing, for me, has got to be at every game, I think. I don't think you can have matches without it, really, because you, you do need that technology to be there. It needs to be fair, doesn't it? It needs to be a level playing field. And, yeah. and you think about certain clubs, there's a certain minority of teams, maybe Wakefield, perhaps Salford, who are not on the Sky television anywhere near as many times as what Leeds and St. Helens and Wigan are on. So how how does that even up over the year? I mean, I don't know. I think if the technology is there, everybody should be able to use it. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, Paul, it was both ways. If you look at the Watkins try, Singleton, as a dummy runner, hits the line and should go through the line, but stops and blocks. I think it's Curtis, is it Cinnamon? Hits, he sort of runs into him and he has to take sort of three steps to get round Singleton and then isn't able to get to Watkins who crashes over. So if that's on TV... And the video looks, video referee looks at that. It's and it's no try. So it's 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 a it's a positive thing for us that there wasn't one at that point. There was another one where Addy and Singleton put a shoulder barge on somebody. Referee signalled it was a shoulder barge, gave Saints a penalty, but didn't bin Addy. So I don't quite I didn't quite get understand why that, that happened. But that's another reason. That's another thing that because it's against us, we're never going to say, oh, you should bin him. Because it's one of us. If I mean, we just that, that just gets forgotten about. But there was other things. It was the the kick through, which Saints sort of tap with a foot, and we don't get the restart. It goes to the foot. It goes through a twenty meter restart. There's the the foot in touch, like we've said. There's the try where I think it Wellsby throws it at Sneed's head, and the ball bounces up in the air, and I think it's Lee crashes over exactly the same sort of motion as when. Lafay uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was against Lee, where it, it kind of comes off and both and Burgess races away for 80 metres, but gets pulled back. Same motion, same uh, action, different decision. And that's what infuriates fans, doesn't it? Because you're expecting a decision to be the same every time, but it's not. Yeah, and I think what infuriates people even more these days with technology and, and whatever is, I mean, when I started going, when you started going in the 80s, 90s, he didn't have all these replays and that, and there was probably mm. loads of decisions in the game that he didn't agree with, but you came away from the game, went to the pub, or went home for your tea, had a chat with your dad about it, and that, that was the end of it, but now people are zooming in on stuff on Twitter, putting videos, I don't know where they get these videos from, but the, the, the evidence is all there now, so it's for everybody to see, so perhaps the technology is, is a hindrance sometimes, it, it, it highlights things, doesn't it, so it makes people more accountable for things, so... 
So yeah, I, I get all that, but you, you, you've just got to get on with it, haven't you? I mean, referees have. There's been decisions over the years where I've been to Salford games where I've not agreed with them and we've lost massive games over stuff, semi-finals and things like that. But you can't let it get to you. You've just got to, I think you've just got to take things on the chin, haven't you, in sport? And you do in life, don't you? I mean, I tend to do anyway. There's no point in whinging about stuff. You've just got to put a brave face on it and, and, and get on with it. So, so yeah, I, I think we could complain and complain about it. And I just think it's really negative. And it, if you do that, I think it'll do your head in. You'll end up going insane. So... I think yeah, don't don't go into matches worrying about the referee. Just worry about just. I think Paul Rowley said it this season. Just control the controllables. Control yep. what you can control. I think there was times in that game where we should have. I think there's one big for the two. Oh, we should have gone for the two points. I think from a penalty. I think it was in the second half. Yeah. Or there was a time there where we could have turned the screw. So yeah, I, I think fifteen two up. We, we were in control there and we should have turned the screw and won the game. Yeah, I think Paul Rowley says that he lets his players decide, doesn't he? And at yeah. one point, I think might have been, think about it, might have been the second half, where, like, I think it was that one where he, get, he could have goes, I think he signals for two, but then Mark yeah. Sneed decides that we'll play it. And he, Paul Rowley was looking for him up above, thinking, I want two. But he still, play, he still went. I don't yeah. think we scored off the back of it, but. I suppose players are in that motion, aren't they? They're in the game. They have the feel of it. They yeah. know what might come. And I suppose, I suppose Paul Rowley has wants to give his players that responsibility, doesn't he? And and I suppose they do it all again, given the opportunity. I don't think they they sort of double back on what their own decision making is. Yeah, well, you're on the field, aren't you? You you yeah. can feel it. I think, and I think it's the same in all sports. And you're there, whether you're a boxer in the ring, you feel it. Whether you're a football player, a rugby player on the pitch, or a tennis player on the court, or whatever, you feel it. Your coach doesn't because he's not there. So you'll be able to hear the opposition blowing, won't you? Or you can tell by their body language whether they're done in, and you can take them in. My dad does it to me all the time. So oh, we should run it here. The goose here, the knackered. We've got them on the ropes and things like that. And, and you can tell that sometimes. Can't you? But sometimes there is a time where you'll think the two points is, is massive because it puts us eight points in front, 14 points in front or whatever. And, and that's it. That So you've, you've got to go where you've got, haven't you? And you've got Mark Sneed there, who's a very experienced campaigner. He knows the game inside out. So you've got to trust your leadership team on the pitch, haven't you? Yeah. Talking about the performance, I think we've so far had chances to win it. Unfortunate at times. Great defence from Saints at times. We were able to capitalise. I thought the difference between us and Saints was Saints in that second half when when Dion Cross was put in the bin, built pressure, and we weren't able to sort of break out of our twenty, and they scored sort of a couple of sets off the back of it. And <clears throat> we talk about sort of learning, don't we? And I remember, I think it was Lee home where we kicked deep, attacking the the south stand, and we. we squeezed him for two tackles we gave away a penalty Lee went 60 yards up the field uh, fifth tackle kick bit of a sort of coming together between Max Need and Briley and I think it was Hardacre went and scored and mm. that's the difference Saints there was no penalties coming out of settlements we were struggling to get out of our 30 and just kept coming back and coming back until we ran out of juice and they scored and that's the difference and that's I don't know how you teach that I don't know how you coach that because that's just pressure and you, and you can't I don't think you can recreate that on a church on the training ground it's how players react in that game situation in it and unfortunately we're just not reacting right at this point well they're good players St. Helens they've won the league three or four times on the bounce now haven't they so they, they know what they're doing they know how to, to, to work you don't win a championship you win it for being a good side but mm. deal with pressure good players good international players and that so they, they don't mug St. Helens but 
the positive you've got to take out of that is that we, we matched them really for 80 minutes and mm. it's probably one of our best displays of the season. I mean, I said that first half I mean, my match report was probably the best 40 minutes we played all year. I mean, even better than the 40 minutes of Hull because Hull were, were bobbins that day. St. Helens were good. St. Helens played well and we was three points behind them. That was like a playoff game. You take a lot out of that because if we can play like in the last six games, mm. we've got a chance of winning maybe four or five of them. So I think it was a real... I come away from the game sort of a lot more upbeat than I was before the game, if you like. I was disappointed about losing, but I thought we'd just match St. Helens there and it just shows you that's what's been missing over the last few weeks. We've had some disappointing games. You, you look at the Wakefield away game, how poor that was. Mm. And and then we, we can put in a, a shift like that. So that, to me, is frustrating sometimes because you think, did we chuck that game at Wakefield? Because we sort of rolled up there and we were beaten before we went out and it's two points and these Two points are, are vital now, aren't they? And I know the Catalan game as well. We didn't compete, did we? So we need to start getting some wins from somewhere. Otherwise, we're going to drift away from that top six. Yeah, I agree with that. I came away. I just felt frustrated that we'd, we'd lost Nara yeah. again. Performance was good. And we're just missing that 1% that turns a loser into a winner. And I'm sure players will learn from that. We're coming into the situation where the six games to go the league's really condensed. We'll we'll talk about that when we're previewing the game this weekend against Huddersfield. But it's really going to be tight and it's every game is a playoff game now. And that's the attitude the players have to have. I know we're on this run of, of defeats and they've got to snap out of it because you, you lose a couple more in this sort of round of six games and, and you're done. Well, yeah, you could wind up finishing 10th mm. because you look at the league table now Wakefield and Castleford are, are playing off, aren't they, for, for relegation. They play each other this weekend, don't they? So, And the momentum's with Wakefield at the moment. But after that, you've got Huddersfield who are, are on 18 points now. Mm. And I think Hull have got 20 points. They're level with us. So Hull can go above us this weekend. And we could go behind Huddersfield as well. So you've got to be careful now. You don't drop right out of that. But you, you can't focus on that. You've got to focus on winning matches. And two points against Huddersfield puts you right back in with it with a game against Wakefield the week after. So one thing I come away from the game against St. Helens wondering was why we didn't play Jack Armonrod. We yeah. had four subs. We were really struggling for forwards. And yet Jack Armonrod doesn't come on. I didn't get that at all. And that's something I would like to ask Paul Rowley. Why do you not use your subs? So is there something amiss there? Because I did speak to Armand on the way out and he was pretty miffed, really, that he'd not played and for one reason or another he was frustrated. But why not use your subs? Because we were struggling for bodies there and it's been well documented. We're struggling in the pack. You got a big prop forward on the bench and we didn't bring him on. Yeah, maybe he wasn't fit. Maybe Paul Rowley didn't want to chuck him in. Like you say, that'd be a question you have to ask Paul Rowley, don't you? Because like you say, he's yeah. the head coach. He makes them big decisions. He decides who goes on who doesn't we're only going to speculate aren't we about what we think whether Jack Armourage limping or not limping or looking like he's carrying his yep. shoulder or whatever we're just it'd be a time you see we walk past and you're like you, you're looking at him and say is he limping or what why are you not looking why are you not playing but that's what you do don't you if you, do, if you don't play you're, you're looking at him thinking well what's wrong with you but I suppose yeah. we'll have to wait and see about that hopefully like you say Uddersfield have a big forward pack he'll, he'll, if he is fit he'll be an asset on, on, on Friday talking about the stats top tacklers Callum Watkins 25 Brody Koff 20 Andy Akers 30 Sam Stone 31 Oliver Partington 28 and Danny Addy 23 well the one that stands out to me there Brody Croft is doing too many mm. 20 tacklers is, is too much and a few people have mentioned this to me over the last month or two saying the, the statement has been made Brody Croft's not as effective as he was last season mm. and he never makes any breaks if you look at the Catalan game away 
I think he made more breaks in that game than, than anybody. I think he made about three clean breaks. So he's doing too much for me. I think teams are targeting him. I think teams are running at him. And he's not getting any protection. And he's having to put that work in. And he's that sort of player. He's a player that won't shoot responsibility. If somebody runs at him, he'll put him, he'll put him down and he'll tackle him. So I'd like Brody Croft's tackle stats to be lower. I'd like him to be more time on the ball. But no, the forwards, I thought, put in a good shift against Satan. And I thought we matched them for large parts of the game. It was great to see Callum Watkins back because I think he's a massive miss for us. So it was good to see him back in. I think we looked, looked a lot more balanced. I think we looked a lot more solid as well. I think we're a better side with Tim Laffey in the team because he's just so elusive. Teams don't know how to handle him. And he can take about three or four players to stop him sometimes. So he sucks defenders in. And I was also impressed with Brad Singleton. I thought yeah. he, he, he looked really solid. He's, he's an uncompromising bloke when you talk to him. That he looks like a box. His nose all squashed. That. He looks like a proper proper solid rugby league player. So uh, I think we've, we've got a good sign in there. Yeah, I did, I did like these... Singleton's first stint, running hard, running straight, and that's what we need. We need. We we said we need big forwards who are willing to mix it in yeah. that middle, and I think he, I think he did that. Going back to Brodie Croft, like you said, he's a, he's a good defender. He's a very good defender. He I is. think he's probably the best sort of standoff defender we've had in a long time. I know you're obviously defending on an edge. You, you're being run over by bigger players, but plays his weight, plays above his weight, making big big it tackles, is. and yeah, I suppose twenty tackles is. A lot of tackles, but I suppose other teams are targeting to tire him out, so he's not as effective going forward. But I have no troubles with him. I think he's a solid defender, and if they want to run at him, he'll, he won't. He won't turn style him. He'll, he'll he'll knock him down. No, he's a cracking defender. He's a cracking player. I mean, he's as brave as they come. Mm. He's an old school sort of standoff, really, isn't he? And no, he's an asset to Salford. I just hope we can we can keep him at the club. I know there's a lot of rumours flying about, as there always is, and they're on social media about players going here, there, and everywhere. So let's just hope he stays at Salford because he's a true he's a true professional, and he walked past us, didn't he, to get his man of the match award? Yeah. I seen him going upstairs and he looked absolutely distraught, didn't he? You yeah. could see how much it meant to him getting getting beat. He was really, really miffed off, and that that's that's what you want. He lives and breathes Salford, doesn't he? And um, it means a lot to him. And, and you can't knock that passion when someone's disappointed like that. He's, he's put a shift in. Yeah. Talk about your meters, Ken C O one hundred and eighty two, Callum Watkins eighty one. Dion Cross 182 and the Akers 39, Oliver Partington 58 and Sam Stone 32. Very obviously below 50 metres is is a problem. I'm sure Paul Riley be trying to fix that up this this week. Yeah, Dion Cross and Ken Seodo put some yards in there, didn't they? Mm. I mean, I thought Dion Cross had a decent game. I thought he worked hard in, in the centres. Ken Seodo's probably when you talk about players of the season and that, I think Ken Seo could be the one that is a dark horse for that. Because I think if you look at his stats and look at the way he's played this season, he hardly ever makes a mistake. He sort of goes under the radar, really, because you expect it of him. He's he's a real, real, real star for us. I mean, not, not a flashy sort of player, really, but scores the tries, makes the yards, takes the eyeball, makes the tackles. And I think he's... He's an eight, eight, an eight, uh, eight or nine out of ten every week. Is Kensio? I think he's a, a real solid player. Yeah, uh, talking about the average gains, Kensio nine, Callum Watkins seven, Sam Stone eight, Dion Cross eight. Obviously, I think seven out, seven over, seven and over is good when you're talking about gaining uh, over the advantage line. Kensio again. You've just mentioned him again in the stats. There, I mean, it just shows you've done it solid. Dion Cross again there. 
Yeah, I'd just be worried about the pack, really. We, we don't seem to be dominating the forwards, do we? So that's something we've got to target this week. And as you said, Huddersfield have got a big pack. They've got some good forwards there. The mm. Chris Hill, Sebastian Fico, they're, they're decent. They're, they're decent pack, like Chris McQueen, Yates as well. You know, as much as I'm not his biggest fan, but he's, he's a good player, very good player. So they're going to be going for us in the forwards. If we can get on top of them, we've got a chance. But we, we really need to push them out this week. Yeah, big thanks for your three-word match reports and man of the matches. Chairman Bob, Salford's pockets picked. Watkins, Stuart Spart, needs to be smarter, Watkins. Natalie Taylor, linesmen are useless. CEO Andy Lancashire, second half disaster. Brad Singleton, Colin Wilson, daylight robbery. Watkins, Anita, foot in touch, Singleton. Your mate, Roy Ellaby, robbed again, Watkins. Dave Parker, not far off, Watkins. Alan Taylor, officials again, A. Disco T, shocking, poor refereeing. Like we talked about, referees are only human. They just need more help, don't they, really? More video referee, more linesman, more in goal, more eyes on the prize. Gives you better decisions. Yeah, I don't know what difference a touch judge would a video referee would have made to that situation because he probably wouldn't have gotten to the video for that foot and touch, would he, really? Because there wasn't a try scored, so... Mm. It's one of them, isn't it? You just got to take the rough with this move, haven't you? And if you spent all your time moaning about referees, you won't go to the game, would you? So we've just got to, you've just got to get on. It is frustrating, though. I mean, you, you come away from the game thinking what what might have been, and it's not just happened once. It's been the last three home games. It's been stuff, hasn't it? I mean, like that league game, I think Latelli scored a try, and he was about five yards short, wasn't it? So I think we've we've been a bit hard done to the last couple of weeks. So hopefully. We'll get a bit of look at Huddersfield. I mean, you remember a couple of years ago when Richard Marshall was the coach and Dan Sargent chopped somebody's head off and James Greenwood got sent off. We got a bit of good fortune that night, so we could we could do another slice of that look, really, couldn't we? I think the referee was Scott McLeuster that night, so we could do with him. Yeah. Talking off the field, we had our legends roll call. Was it 50, 60 legends of our club having a parade round the field? Six and a half thousand in attendance, fun day outside, real family atmosphere, and uh, great the club pulled it off. Yeah, it was good. Um, I enjoyed that. I'd just come in, I was a bit late, me and Imogen were a bit late getting there. So just as we walked in, the players were doing the, the lap of honour, and Paul Charlton was like walking towards him. I was just stood near the, the front clapping him, and he came over, and I thought, I've got to grab. Him. I grabbed Paul Chattel's hand and shook his hand and what what a what a gentleman he is. I mean, I think he's about eighty now, early eighties, and he's in tremendous condition for that. We look really, really well. Walking around the pitch there, he could have played. Steve Nash as well, seeing him and, and some of the other guys. Steve Kerry came over to him and gave me a hug, which I thought was great. Steve McCormack snapped it, so that was that was really chuffed with that. He was dead emotional, Steve, as well. And um as a lot of the other players. As were, I think Chris McGreal had a bit of a tear in his eye. It was great. I spoke to Chris the other week, and I think they've all really, really enjoyed it. And I think that the club now have got to make sure we make a bit of an annual thing. I think of the players being there and and get get, start, get an ex players association going and uh, and really get the, the ex players involved because the supporters love it. It was so emotional that before the game and another big crowd as well. And I think one of the listeners is it Connor Robinson. I think he put on. Mm-hmm. Twitter this week about the, I think it was today, about the average attendances. He'd done like a stat and look at the attendances. They've gone up the last couple of seasons. I think we're getting over a thousand more than what we were getting last season. So I think our average is about 5,600, I think it was, which is better than Huddersfield and, and Wakefield. So we're going in the right direction. His tweet was a real positive one. So that that's good news, I think, for the club. 
Yeah. So let's move on to the ladies. They were in action against Bradford and won 30 points to four. Two tries from Alex Simpson, two tries from Steph Gray, one from Lauren Ellison, one from Molly Jones, three goals from Demi Jones. Thought the ladies were tremendous. Thirst. 35 minutes, totally dominant on that Bradford forward pack, causing errors, got good field position, scored some good tries off it. Bradford came back in a bit in the second half, but our uh, game management saw the game home. And you've know, got to be impressed. We're, we're in the, the playoffs uh, at the moment. Uh, we've got a, sort of two or three sort of tough games to come. Uh, but we're flying high, two on the spin, uh, and there's loads of good stuff to come for Chris Bates' ladies. It was a, a polished performance, really, wasn't it, Rob? I think the word we could describe it was dominant. Mm. It was dominant from minute one to 80. It was a consistent performance and a complete one as well. You weren't just patches in that game. They were totally dominant for the 80 minutes, and um, it was a great win, and it was good to get two wins on the spin. There's a big game coming up this weekend. I think it's Lee this weekend. At 12, is it 12 o'clock kickoff or 2 mm. o'clock kickoff? I know it's Lee anyway this weekend, isn't it? So that'll be another tough game, but if we can get three wins out of three, then it really just propel you up the, up the table, doesn't it? So, so they'll be very pleased at the momentum that they're building and the confidence as well, because that was a special performance. Yeah. Fantastic performance from the ladies. I thought Alex Simpson and Lauren Ellison and Steph Gray and Holly Jones, the centre wing partnership, caused Bradford problems all afternoon. Uh, forwards went forward. Uh, the half backs, Demi Jones and Louis Fellingham, dictating operations. I thought it was a complete performance. Chris uh, Bates had talked about keeping uh, the, the role going, keeping it tight, not making errors. And I thought they did that uh, very well uh, in that game. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't it? You mentioned uh, the, uh, before, uh, just before you said about game management. That's what game management is, isn't it? Controlling a game well, not making errors, forcing the other, the other team into errors and dominating territory and, and dominating defence as well. And they did that. They did it for 80 minutes. If you do that for 80 minutes, you'll win every match you play, won't you? Or most mm-hmm. of the matches. So that's that's how they've got to approach it now. I think I think they proved that they belong at this level, Rob. I think it's took a while to, to, to sort of get, get used to things. But now they are getting up to the speed of the Super League level. It's a big step up from where they were playing last season. But I think they, they, they get in there now. And I think they're improving as the season goes on. And that's that's a dangerous thing. With the playoffs coming up as well, they could really make a mark on the playoffs. Yeah. Reserves were in action as well. They beat Newcastle 32 uh, points to 10. A hat-trick from Scott Egan. Tries from Billy Walker and Jack Stevens. 14-6. Newcastle came back into it, but another good performance for Stuart Wilkinson's boys. Yeah, I think, again, I think they've improved as the season's gone on. And they're a new bunch of players, aren't they? And it's took them time to, to gel. But I think we're starting to see that and those improvements now. And they're gaining in confidence week in, week out. And uh, got some, there's some good players. There's some real good players in that reserve team as well. And they keep going the way they're going. They've got a real chance of progressing through the system. And Paul Rowley will start looking. It's a well-known fact that we've not got the biggest squad in the world and we've not got the biggest resources. But if we've got a good reserve team there that's, uh, that's bearing fruit, Paul Rowley and Kurt Agatha are going to be looking at them. Yeah, do you think that was a factor? Obviously, the players um, not coming in uh, from the transfer, not being able to get the players in, as Paul Rowley thought about them reserves and thought, if we need them, I've got them to come in if I need them, do you think? Honestly, Hmm. I don't think we've got any money, Rob. Hmm. (laughs) Well, I think think it's it's probably down to money, but... And not only that, it's probably availability. I don't, I, perhaps I don't think there's many players available at this time of the year. Plus the fact if you've got Super League players, they're probably not going to lend them to you now because Super League's that tight. Why is a Super League club going to want to strengthen another Super League club? So there's probably players available in the Championship, but you look at the Championship, 
there's so much in there to play for at the moment, isn't there? So it's a difficult time of year, isn't it? Teams aren't going to really part with players when you come into the crunch of the season, are you? So, yeah, I think money's a factor, but I think it's also difficult to get players in this time of year. Yeah, as well, there, there is a few. Jacob Lee, Billy Walkley, Jack Stevens. Obviously, it'd be a tough task to throw him in in a playoff chase, wouldn't it? But I suppose if he's running out of bodies, he talks to Stuart Wilkerson a lot about it, and I suppose it's up to them to make that decision. But they are there if if he wants them, which in previous years they wouldn't have been. That's right. That's right. You, you've got that 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 backup there if you, if you need it, and I think it'll be great if we can see a progression over the next few years of players coming through. But those players are learning all the time. I mean, you mentioned Jack Stevens there. Jack Stevens is only a very very young lad. Mm. We've seen glimpses of Jack in um, in preseason friendlies last year and, and this season, and, and he's got a cracking pair of hands. He's got a good rugby brain. He's just got to keep progressing, and if he does, he will be a Super League player. So he's playing in the reserves at the moment. He's, he's He's gaining strength. He's, he's he's growing as well, isn't he? As, as other players are only young, you've, you've you've got to get that match hard, haven't you? You can't just, just throw somebody into Super League. Not not these days, anyway. The the size of players they get absolutely crunched. So you want their bodies to develop and their brains to develop, and and I think that's what the reserves is all about. So yeah, I think some of those players will make their mark, but in their own time. Yeah, Cooper and Franklin as well. I can't remember his first yeah. name, but he's a good player. So yeah, I think there's options there if Rowley wants to. To use them. So that's all the matches reviewed, and now we'll see what's happening in the world of Sulfur Devils. So we'll start, Paul, with merch. St. Anne's Hospice shirt is still available, big seller by all accounts. £5 goes to the hospital. There's only limited availability. When they start saying limited availability, that means it's going well, and you've got to get on your toes to get one. Well, I've seen a lot of people wearing those shirts, mm. and they are a nice shirt as well, aren't they? And as you mentioned there, the hospice is a fantastic cause, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah, if you can get behind that, I think the club's done tremendously well in these partnerships over the last few years, haven't they? Just helping, helping local, local organisations. So, uh, so yeah, that's a good shirt. But uh, there's there's a lot of good merchandise out there at the moment. You see, uh, see all these shirts at the. Uh, the, the I think there's another. There's another T-shirt or a training shirt or something. I, I saw something the other week, like a black shirt that somebody had on that looked quite nice. So, uh, yeah, I need to invest, I think, because I've not really got many, many shirts. My daughter, as she got living under the sun, but I've not really bought a shirt for a while. Doing Parky's job now, begging the, the X3 for, for merch. <laughs> <laughs> like a bobble hat, if there's any of them going. Is it? I do like my beanies, yeah. I've always got a beanie on when I'm training and that. Brian, my mate, always says that. He says, every time you come training, you've got a different hat on. I always train in an hat, so, so yeah, I do like beanies. Can you imagine Parky's face if you turn up with a beanie given, given to you by VX3? Oh, maybe after Please, months. Please, VX3, if, you, if you're listening, I've uh, got a big head. Well, no, it's not a large, a large will do. Is it? <laughs> I extra yeah, large for me. <laughs> So, yeah, so get yourselves to VX3 on the website, get your stuff purchased, helps the club, puts a bit of coppers in the club, which is great. Other news, the Pride round is the Wakefield game. Club are making a big thing of it. Manchester Pride's on, the, I think it's the 26th of August, planning to get a big float to go on that big parade. It's always a carnival atmosphere, loads of music, loads of dancing. Everyone has a great time. Yeah, my wife goes every year. Text the kids to it every year. I think I went a couple of years ago with her as well. Yeah, it's a good day. She always enjoys it, and you go through Manchester, don't it? It gets a big crowd there. And I think, I think, I think they had a float on it last year, didn't they? Or was mm. that was that the year before? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they did. I'm sure, sure there was one there because yeah, I went last year. 
So, so yeah, I know they're looking forward to that. So it should be another good day. It should be another carnival day, as you say. And as I was mentioned about the crowds before, the the last three home games have, have been really good. I think we've got over six thousand for the last three. So we've got to aim for that again. Um, Wakefield are probably not the most well-supported team going, but they've got some passionate fans, Wakefield, and they're desperate to, to win as well. If they beat Cass this weekend, they could be coming to Salford to push themselves off the bottom, so they could bring a real good follower. I know it's been moved from Sunday to a Friday, hasn't it? So it's not the easiest place to get to, is on a Friday from, from Wakefield's point of view, but no, I, th- I think you can still get a good crowd for that. So you know, it's, it's not winter time, is it? It's fairly light nights and what have you. So, so yeah, it should be another good uh, good event. Yeah, the Supporters Trust are running a night at the Blue Bell in Monton, celebrate through the decades, 19th of August. £10 per person includes supper, all your party classics through the years. Paul, there's a raffle involved as well. Are you a disco dancer or do you go and prop the bar up when you go to these kind of things? Uh, I'm a more of a prop in the, the bar up. I was going to say your uh, thing there, all the hits to make you beat beat tap. I I couldn't remember that that thing you used to say. It is, on Bobby's Magic Music Hour. There's always all the hits in the mix to make your hands clap and your feet tap. Feet tap, that's it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it should be a good night. I think, is it this Saturday, that? Uh, 19th of August. This Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, it's Mm. this Saturday. Yep, yep. It's a nice pub, that, the Bluebell, as well. So... Contact Shirley or the Supporters Trust to get a ticket for that. The summer camps at the foundation are running and going very well. I think Vicky Kinney and Kenzie over there, I think it was last week with, with the kids uh, playing rugby. It's great, obviously, that the two of them took time out of their own lives to, to go down and help. It's great the club have got, uh, the foundation have got this up and running as well for the community. Everybody wins. Yeah, they certainly do, yeah. And great to see Ken Tio and, and Vicky Kinney getting involved. They're real good ambassadors for our club, aren't they? And uh, and yeah, it's it's another um, it's another positive news story coming out of the club. And I think we do an awful lot in the community. We mention that all the time, don't we? And, uh, and getting kids involved, especially this time of the year, in the summer holiday as well, is, is, is great stuff. Yeah. Uh, shuttle buses are going to be running again for the Wakefield game, the Warrington game and the Catalan game. Um, it's great. Obviously, they're running from the Trafford Centre, it's all about the environment in it, stopping cars, driving around and have that opportunity to get to the shuttle bus from the Trafford Centre. Gives you a chance to go to Trafford Centre and have a good pre-match if you don't want to go to the ground. Excuse me. Yeah, I think it's a great idea if you're travelling in or, or whatever and you, you don't want to drive to the ground and, and pay the astronomical eight quid to park up that it is, I think, <laughs> these days. The club don't get any of that money anyway, do they? So, so yeah, or if you're on public transport and you're nearby, I, I'm not sure if you can get the bus to the Trafford Centre and then, and then get the shuttle to the to the ground. Is it free, the shuttle bus, as well? That's a good question, that. That's a good question, that, Paul. Shall we find out? I hope it is. I, th- I thought it was. I mean, I'm sure our imaging said it was free, but even, even so, if it's a, a quid or something, it's it's a good idea, isn't it? Because, say, you're going with your missus and your missus wants to do a bit of shopping before the game or whatever, and you can go and have a coffee and then and then get to the ground. I think it's a, it's, a, it's got to be a positive, hasn't it? Yeah. It says, shuttle buses from 6pm. Traffic Centre bus station every 15 minutes from 6pm till 7.45 and then every 15 minutes from 9.45pm to 11 o'clock. So yeah, like I say, it's great opportunity for fans to, to, to get down there. I suppose the more you use it, the more opportunity for that and other routes to be um, used in the future. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think I really do. The, the more people we can get to the ground, 
the better and it seemed to work really well when we saw it in the last couple of games so uh, so yeah I think so it's a really good idea so I mean Trafford Centre is not probably not my favourite place in the world because it's shopping and stuff like that it's not really my cup of tea but you can obviously make a day of it you can get your wife down there like I said get yourself a brew or put a drink or whatever I think there's bars and that in there isn't there so go watch a film before the game or something you, you can make a day of it can't you make an event of it which is what a lot of people like to do yeah, it might not be a cup of tea, but it's your cup of coffee, Paul, with your Costa coffees and various other coffee establishments to uh, to explore before the match. Yeah, yeah, there is. I've not I've not been to Costa as much recently. I found um, a couple of different coffee places when I've been been working. I found a lovely cafe in Rotten Star the other day. Uh, no, no Bake Up, sorry. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It was a cracking cafe, so uh, stopped off there the other day. I might go there again this week, so if I get any work up there. So, yeah, I think independent coffee shops are a good support to be honest with you because they don't make as much money as these branded ones so yeah I still like going to Costa and that but I think it's important to put a bit back in so I like my greasy spoon cafes and places like that as well I can stop off support your local coffee shops and local businesses especially in the climate we find ourselves in every penny matters doesn't it so if you're thinking about going to the match maybe find an independent cafe or pub to uh, to enjoy your pre-match uh, beverages unless you go to the game um, and have it at the club, in the club, give them some money too. And always drink responsibly. Yes, yes. Other news, our physical disability players, six of them have been selected for Wales, who play England on the 2nd of September. Fantastic achievement for, for them. Obviously playing for a country. I think they beat Australia, I think, in the World Cup last year, which is fantastic. And uh, yeah, Taking on England will be a big test for them. Yeah, of course it, it will. Yeah, so uh, and it's it's growing all the time that side of the game, isn't it? And yeah, beating Australia anything is is a massive achievement. So so yeah, let, let's get behind because it should be it should be fantastic. That yeah, the Welsh squad is Sam Bowditch, Robert Carpenter, Shane Chilcock, Richard Ellis, Thomas, Kieran Gardner, Nicky Harris, Dylan Hughes, Timid Hughes, Morgan Jones, Paul Jones, Ben Lewis, Stuart Newton, Isaac. Pickett, Dan, Daniel Shaw, Gareth Sullivan, uh, Leif Thorborn, and Chris Young. So that'll be a, that'll be a good game uh, to get down uh, and watch if you can. Uh, final bit of news, Paul. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of our ladies, uh, Darcy Price, announced she was planning to play for Jamaica in the off season or the end of the this season in a game. I think it was against Canada and the USA. And she was asking for people to, to sort of donate so she could try and get to Jamaica. And it seems like she's raised enough money to do it, which is fantastic. Big thanks to everyone who, who donated and, and helped to represent a country of Jamaica. Oh, that's great news, isn't it? It really is great news. We were saying, weren't we, a few weeks ago that representing your country's got to be the pinnacle of your career hasn't it so if she can uh, she's raised the money and she can actually do that now it's happy days isn't it that's that's brilliant for everybody who's, who's got involved with that and uh, congratulations and good luck as well let's hope you uh, go and represent them and they get some wins mm. we'll have to get her on a bit before she go jets off to Jamaica another international in, in our ranks uh, another tick on the old podcast bingo let's see if the Kofi can raise us some money to go with her <laughs> Cover it in Jamaica. Yeah, you you finding your Jamaica passport? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, too right. Yeah, so that's all the the news. Now we'll look forward to this week's games. It's time for the double 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 double
So we'll start with the reserves. They're in action on Saturday against Huddersfield. They're away from home. They're playing on Saturday. Laundered Hill, midday kickoff. Obviously, win last week uh, will be full of confidence against the Giants. Yeah, they certainly will. Win, win will do them with the conference, and they've been playing well the last couple of weeks, haven't they? So it's another tough fixture against the, the Giants. We all know Huddersfield have got a decent setup there, haven't they, with their academy and the, and the reserve team. They've got a lot of players at their disposal, haven't they? So it'll be a tough test. But the way they're playing at the moment, I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll be going there uh, confident of getting a result. Yeah. Our ladies are in action on Sunday. Uh, they play Lee uh, away. At Twist Lane, 2 p.m. kickoff. Uh, like we've said, they are in cemented in the playoffs. Uh, they play Lee, Barra, and Featherstone in the next three games. Who are the three teams around them? They've been playing fantastic in the Super League too, and we're very excited what 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 they can do. Obviously, after last season's fantastic season, winning the championship, winning the League Cup, and continuing this uh, wave of, of of positivity into the Super League, and now mixing it against these these top teams. Well, that's what you want. You you want the ladies to become an established club at that level, don't you? And that's what it's all about. And particularly this season, you're finding your feet, you're making your mark, you're becoming established, and then next season you kick on and you improve even more. So this season's been a, a, a not going to say a struggle, but it's been a, a test, hasn't it? And a move up the ladder. And I think the, the every single member of that squad has, has stood up to that test and stood up and been counted. And um, now this weekend, they've, they've got some big games coming up now and I'm sure they're going to finish with a flourish. Yeah, they play Lee away on Sunday, then they play Barra away on the 3rd of September and then they finish with Featherstone at home on the 10th of September. Playoffs are between teams that finish 2nd and 5th. Uh, we're currently 4th. And Featherstone, Bar- Featherstone on 10, Barra on 10, Lee on 11, we're on 8, Bradford are on 4. So it's going to be a real tussle. We're playing the, the three teams above us, but it's really tight. So we can pick up three wins there. We could be mixing sort of second, third in the league. Gives us an opportunity in the playoffs for possible home ties. It certainly does, and, and that makes a massive difference, doesn't it? In in in, in all walks of uh, the competitions, doesn't it? You get that home draw; it's a massive advantage. So, mm. so yeah, this next couple of weeks going to be pivotal. Starts on on Sunday at league, going to be a tough game. That, but that's a, a game they can target, and especially after last week, the confidence take it into that game. I'm sure they can turn Lee over. Yeah, very exciting times. Speaking to Brogan Evans on our next pop-up podcast. So tune in, see what she has to say about the running and and what's going on with the ladies. Will be a great listen that one. So let's move on to the Huddersfield game on Friday night. Like I said, all the teams around us are all condensed after our great start and great run early in the season through the last 60 feet as we've been sucked back in now so all the good that happened before have gone it's playoff rugby from game to game now and hopefully we've got enough to start winning again and get back in the playoffs yeah I think we've been saying that for the last couple of weeks these games have been been not do or die games but I think they, they get more important as the weeks go by don't they because you our sort of place in the top six has eroded away, hasn't it? And we've dropped down the league slightly. So, Huddersfield are right on our tail now, aren't they? I mean, if you look back a few months ago, Huddersfield got absolutely plastered at Leeds, didn't they? 54 yeah. nil, uh, And we all thought Ian Watson was going to lose his job. He clung on to it. Ken Davies kept faith with him. I mean, credit to Ken Davies. And, and they sort of turned it round. I think they won three on the bounce, didn't they? Or four on the bounce. And they were, they were pretty close against St. Helens at the weekend, I think, from what I read into it. They... they, they 
came back from behind and had a man play with a man sent off as well. So they're two points behind us now. So if, they, if they, they're to win on Friday, they're level with us so they could overtake us. So it's a massive game for us. It really is a confidence game as well. I think we just need a performance and a, not a performance, we need a win. You know, whether it be a scruffy win, whether we win by a point or it's a really Bobbins game and we get the result, we just need the two points. That's what it's all about now. Just, just book that trend of defeats and then you've got a home game against Wakefield then to to, to build some momentum then going forward. So it's, it's a big game for both clubs, it really is. And you've got the added factor of the ex-Huddersfield players who play for Salford and things like that and the Ian Watson situation that everybody seems to keep going on about, even though he's not been there for three years. But <laughs> we all seem to talk about it, don't we? So, and it adds a bit of extra spice, doesn't it? But but no, I think it'd be a good game. There are always good games against Huddersfield. We've got a good record there as well. We've won a few games there. And they're always good tussles, aren't they? So they've got some good players and and, and so have we. So it should be, it should be a good battle. Who do we look out for in Huddersfield team as being the danger man? Well, Jake Connor's moved to fullback, hasn't he? Mm. Ian Watson seems to have found his blend now because he's been playing Connor at fullback. He's been playing Oliver Russell in uh, two a here at halfback, hasn't he? And that seems to be been getting them the victory. So I think you look at Connor; he's a good player. He's a he's a maverick player, but he's a good player. But Christmas Queen in the pack as well. He scores lots of tries for a forward and he always seems to score against us. So you've got some good players there in that team. Lola here and, and, and Russell, as I mentioned, are good players. You've got uh, Chris Hill. He's a, he's a top player for me. 35-year-old, still keeps churning out the performances. And another player that I mentioned before, Luke Yates. I mean, I wasn't impressed with the way he left Salford. I, I thought I felt he walked out and was a bit really, but he's a quality player. Every time I watch him play, he's all over the place. He's got a terrific engine. He's a terrific defender. He always pops up with tries and that as well. So, their pack's a good pack. And I put it in the preview this week, everyone's talking about Warrington mm. being disappointing and, and having a good team on paper. And, and for me, it's a confidence thing with them and a, and a work ethic thing for them. But Huddersfield's a very similar one because you look at their team on paper and theirs is probably just as good as Warrington, though, if not far off. They've got a team full of you know, top players, really. And he's really invested heavily, hasn't he, Ken Davey? And Ian Watson's brought a lot of players in. But for whatever reason, it's not really worked. But they've not really found that formula this season in the best side. But I think now they seem to have just about tinkered about with it, Watson's tinkered about with it, and got got the blend that he wants now. So they could be dangerous in the playoffs if they, if they to get in the playoffs. Mm. I was looking at the, uh, the running for the six teams that are in the mix, Paul. Huddersfield are on... 18 points and they're 10th they play us at home they play Leeds at home they play Lee away they play Hulkiar at home they play Hull FC away and Warrington at home to finish the Warrington in 5th with 22 so out of them what? how many how many think how many think they'll win there do you what reckon they could mm. win all them games couldn't they I mean you're talking about the two cup finalists there at Lee and Hulkiar mm. I mean with Lee now, it's going to be a massive, massive test of their resolve. They've just won the cup. Are they going to put the cue on the rat now? I don't. I don't think they will because I think you could tell that from the week before they played Leeds the week before the cup final, and they went there and won. And I thought that was a brilliant victory that for them. So I'm not so sure. I think they could be dark horses. Lee, I think they could be a side that goes to the grand final. The way they're playing at the moment, it just depends on how they react now from this cup. Hulkingston Rovers could be the same. They could fall away now because they've lost at Wembley. But they're winnable games for, for Huddersfield. I think Warrington, they have another team, man. It's, they can't buy a win. Mm. So I think those, all those games, Huddersfield have got a chance of winning. 
yeah, Warrington are fifth with 22. They play Leeds away, FC away, Cass at home, us away, Saints at home, Uddersfield away. Like you said, not can't buy a win. If they get to 24, because they've played Cass at home, you think bottom towards the bottom of the league, they, they, they should get a result home there. That kept them to 24. So for us to pass them, we need to win three games of yeah. what we've got left. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think it's going to be tough for us to catch to catch Warrington up. Who's above us at the moment? Is it Hulkar with six? Hulkar, six with 22. They so play... They play Saints away, Lee at home, Catalan at home, Uddersfield at home, us at home, no, us at home and Wakey away. So, yeah, it's another tough running. I think, I think for us, Rob, I think we've just got to concentrate on ourselves. If we can win sort of four out of that last six, we should make the top six. I think mm-hmm. we'll make the playoffs, but it's a big the way we've been playing. But I think our games. They're winnable games, aren't they? I mean, you take these two, Huddersfield and Wakefield. You've got two games there that if you play like you did in that first half against Saints, you should win them both. Then the Cat, we've got the Catalans at home, I think, Warrington at home, both winnable matches. Hull Care away, you're playing a side that's around you, so that's a four-pointer. And then the last, who's the last game in the season? What else have we got? We've got, we've got Huddersfield away, Wakefield at home, Wigan away, Warrington at Wigan home, away. Yep. Hull Care away, Catalan at home. Yeah, he was Wigan away, the other one I, I couldn't think mm. of. But that's going to be tough, going to Wigan. They're, they're in good form, aren't they, in the league? They look they look good. They look solid. They look tough. I mean, they got knocked out of the cup, didn't they? And you would expect them now to be, what in a response? Matty P and, and the people at Wigan aren't going to stand for that. They want to win something this season. So they're going to be gunning for that now. And I think St. Helens are the same, aren't they? You look at them. They're coming good now, aren't they? I think they're up to like joint second or something now, aren't they? Got that mm. twenty six points, and they're at, they they lost that cup game, and Paul Wellens will be under pressure. And I mentioned it to you before the other week about his rant that he came out with, and I think that's all to do with the pressure that he's under, and he's got to deliver something there at St Helens now and win that league this season, hasn't he? So, so they're going to be tough to beat as well. So, no matter who you play now in this running, they're going to be difficult games because your teams are either everybody's playing for something. You're either fighting for the top six. Or you Castleford and Wakefield who are fighting to stay up. That's a shootout between them two now. I mean, I don't know who my money would be on. Cass have got have brought a new coach in, haven't they? Or have they? Yeah, yeah they, they brought have. in Dane Doray and Danny Ward, didn't they? So yeah. they've got a new coach in. I know this is a weird one, isn't it? Featherston sacked Sean Long. Yeah. Sean Long's now gone to Wakefield. Um, and I think James Ford, who was at Wakefield, has gone to Featherstone. So it's a real merry-go-round of coaches there. And I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around that because they've only lost two games all season. They're top mm. of the table, about 10 points clear, and they've sacked him. So, so yeah, could that work in Wakefield's favour? But or could Danny Ward be the saviour at Cass? It's, and they play each other this weekend. What a game that's going to be. Yeah, Friday night, total shootout in the, is it West Yorkshire? Oh, it's going to be yeah. well worth watching. Good job it's on Sky as well. So we've got the old video F3 just in case... yeah so obviously I think for us if we can win the next four out of five and go with that Catalan game having to win to get in the six I'd take that I think yeah because the thing is with Catalan they're a different team when you get them away from them and you're doing Mm -hmm. Perpignan I I wouldn't like to go to Perpignan in the playoffs I mean when I saw that game against us the other week, the atmosphere there, if anybody goes there in the playoffs, it's St. Helens, Wigan or whatever, it's going to be tough because the, the referee seems to give him everything because he's on the back, the, the crowd, it's a real partisan atmosphere. They're going to be really hard to beat. 
in the playoffs. So if they get a home draw, I can see them getting to Old Trafford. And they deserve it. They played well this season. So they, they, they could be one of the teams to beat. But no, I think playing them at Salford, they might. the thing is they might already be guaranteed top. Mm. Like rest a few players. We've got them there. So you don't know what's going to happen, do you? But we, we've just got to win this weekend. We, we, we can't afford to lose another game. If we lose to Woodersfield, it's probably... It's not curtains, but it's 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 going to be difficult from there. Yeah. Hall are on the same points as us. I've got Wigan away, Warrington at home, Leeds at home, Cass away, Oldersfield at home and Saints away. So it'll be interesting to see if we finish above them. They've got a tough run in, haven't they? Mm. By the sounds of it there, they've got some tough games. I know they play Wigan this Friday, don't they? But you can see Hull winning there. You could see Hull going to Wigan and winning because they've got some talented players, haven't they? And they've pulled it off a few times, haven't they? They're a bit like Leeds. Leeds are a bit like that. They can be absolutely yeah. awful and then they can go away from home and win by 40 points at Wigan or St. Helens. They've done that this season. I think if you look at their results, I'm sure they've won at Saints and I'm sure they've won at Warrington and I'm sure they've won at Wigan, yet they've lost to Wakefield and Cass and, and Huddersfield. So they're just a funny side, aren't they? So, But Hull, yeah, they've come good, haven't they, since they've got that settled partnership between Jake Clifford and Jake Truman. Since them two have been playing well together, they've, they've, they've looked a lot more solid. Yeah, and Leeds... Have Warrington at home, Giants away, Hull away, Wigan at home, Catalan away, and Cass at home. So that'll be difficult. Couple of you know yeah. in that middle bit of Hull, Wigan, Catalan. There's a there's a run there that you might not get anything out of. I suppose looking at those, those runnings though, nobody's got an easy one. And nope. nobody's really. They're all this. They're all much the same, aren't they? They're all playing more or less the same sides, aren't they? Because aren't some of these the loop fixtures anyway? Mm. So you're playing more or less the same teams anyway, aren't you? Teams that finished around last season or whatever. So, so I think everybody's got difficult away games and difficult home games. We've all got a game against either Wakefield or Cass, haven't we? So, but the thing is, then you can't say they're easy games because they're scrapping for their lives now, aren't they? Especially Wakefield. I mean, they, they've sort of got a lot of confidence at the moment, haven't they? Especially. If, I wouldn't like to play Wakefield away. Mm. I mean, from what I've seen of their fixtures, they seem to chuck their away games and then front mode for their home games, don't they? Because every time they play away from home, they get hammered. But at home, they're winning games, aren't they? So, so yeah, I think whoever you play at this time of the year is going to be desperate to, to beat you, aren't they? So, they're all tough matches. Yeah. So, prediction time, Paul. What's your thought process for the other field game? Hmm. Well, I thought I want to be honest. We'll go a close one, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say... Huddersfield, 18. Salford, 25. 25, 18. I'm going to go for big Salford win. Huddersfield, 6. Salford, 30. You always go for a big Salford. Oh, yeah. You're the most confident person in Salford. (laughs) (laughs) You're the coach. Yeah. Rally ball will find its feet in Far Town. There's your headline for... Your match report. Should you call it Rob Ball. Should you call it Bob Ball. <laughs> Bob Ball. <laughs> <Are> you imagine. <laughs> you should be a motivational speaker. You. you think so? You really should. You're the most positive person I know. Anyway, I get all um, nervous around yeah. players, though, and coaches. But you, you are. You. You. Uh, we. Who was I talking to about this? I think me and Parky were discussing it off air when you gone doing something the other week, and we were saying how like you are the most positive person. I mean, I don't know if we had this chat, but when I was driving back from... Where was he coming back from? I think it was Wakefield. It was Wakefield. He was coming back mm. from Wakefield. and I was with Oskerson in the van, James Oskerson. And you phoned us up. 
And we were just come over, over Saddleworth and you come on the phone. And he was absolutely chucking it down. And me and Oski were really like sort of down in the dumps, having a bag of wine gums on the way back. And we put the phone down to you. And we both looked at each other and went, God, I feel great now. I feel like <laughs> I could just get out of the van and run down the yard shoulder all the way back to, to my house because you just, you just felt like you'd lifted us because mm. you were so positive. We just lost before he had points at Wakefield and you'd spoke to us and went, yeah, it's all right, lads. We're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you but, should be a motivational speaker, Rob. Yeah, exactly. You really should. You're so positive. Yeah. 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 I think I think in sport, I think it's it's more in your, a lot more in your mind that people take and it is. it's kind of vibes in it. I mean, if you think you're positive, positive stuff happens yeah. and part yeah. of that is is picking people up when they're feeling a bit flat and if we're all buzzing, yeah. the ball might bounce, might hit in our hands on a on Friday night. <laughs> and can see we might crash over and all them dark skies go away, don't they? Yeah, I think you're spot on. We've mentioned this loads of times, haven't we, about confidence and things like that in sport. And I think if you've got a happy team, mm. happy players, and, and they're in a good place, they'll run through a wall for you, won't they? And it's a bit like that spirit of 2019 that we had. We had no right to, to really get to a grand final, but everybody knew the job. Everybody was happy going to work, doing the job, getting on with it, with playing rugby league. And there was no ego sort of thing there. And nobody sort of thought it was better than anybody else. And I think that's so important. And if you look at teams like Warrington this season, I think that's what's happened there. They've got mm. so many good players and people who probably aren't that bothered, aren't really going to bend the backs and get on with it. And whereas you're happy and, and you're enjoying it and, and you're going to work and seeing your mate and slapping him on the back and how you're doing and it becomes a, a momentum thing doesn't it and, and that's what it's all about if you could bottle that it'd be priceless yeah and that's why you get your moments like Million Pound Miracle when when it really happens when everyone wants it so bad and that's what yeah. it's all about isn't it? You, if you're all behind it and everyone's happy and everyone wants to, to play uh, good things happen yeah yeah we shouldn't have been there in the first place, though, because we were rubbish that season, weren't we? But <laughs> you think back to the, 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 the few games we had before the million pound yeah. game. Was, we only just made the million pound game. If we hadn't beat Battler, I think we'd have finished about fifth in that middle eight. So we wouldn't have even made it. So, yeah, send shivers down your spine and that thinking about that. Airs on the back of your neck and all sort of spaced out moment, which you'll never, ever compete with. Good well, you days. feel sorry for Ulkar, don't you? I mean, look I'll at tell you what. the weekend in the cup. Yeah. yeah. Another million, another extra time. I mean, Gareth O'Brien went for the drop goal as well, didn't he? In, in extra time and fluffed it. I tell you, if you're, if we were, that was us, Wembley, and you're in extra time, right? And there's a penalty and you, and you think it might be a rip out, right? And your heart's going 10 to the dozen, right? He gives it for you, say it, it was ripped out and you didn't knock on, and then you don't find touch. I mean, oh, I, I probably would, would have passed out at that point. I but think. no, but what, I mean, I said to our Imogen, because she was watching with me on Saturday, we'd, just, we'd been out, we just got back in for the extra time, we turned it on, and the first thing she said to me, she went, he's not made touch. And it was yeah. like, yeah, exactly. And, and nobody really, because they all got lost in the euphoria of, of Lamb dropping the goal. I mean, if I was OKR's coach, I'd have been going mad because he cost them the game, missing touch, because if he'd have made touch there, they'd have probably dropped a goal themselves, wouldn't yeah. they? So... It was a massive clangor, and it just shows you, doesn't it, that you've got to do the basics right, haven't you? You don't do the basics right in rugby league, it'll come back to bite you. Yeah, Gaz O'Brien missed. I think if he'd have kicked mm. it, then 
obviously imagine you lose, you, you, you're in your million pound medical and you lose by a drop goal and you get to the, the Challenge Cup final and you lose by a drop goal, same bloke, two different teams, that's, that'd be too much for, for anybody, that really, but did miss and then um, okay, I missed, didn't he? And then Lee with Lachlan Lachlan Lamb, fairy tale stuff there, father and son win the cup and you can't congratulate them they are our local rivals but it'd be great for the sport that it's not Wigan or Saints or Leeds or Warrington gives teams like us that belief that we can get there one day and win it it was great it was right the Rovers stuff I mean I watched a bit of the, the parade that they had in the town and I was working in Lee last Thursday and it was really busy going down the lengths I was where's it going now I was going out lengths past Lee anyway it was so busy mm. but someone said to me in, the, in a cafe down there in the morning, they're, oh, don't go near the stadium because they're all waving the players off because they were going to Wembley. And I thought, wow, this, this is great, this. And I saw that homecoming parade that they had. And you think, that's what it's all about. There's thousands of people there, weren't there? And it puts, puts Rugby League on the map. And I think the Challenge Cup this season has been tremendous. The two semi-finals on the telly were absolutely brilliant. They were sort of great games, weren't they? Great excitement. And the, and the final was the same. The 1895 game was a great match as well. So, I mean, if you're a neutral and you're not really into rugby league and you've watched those games on the BBC, you live down south or whatever, you must think, blimey, that's a great sport that it really is and something I'd like to watch again. So, yeah, I was really chuffed with Lee. I thought they'd done really well. I mean, from where they've come from, really, in this season, they've had a They've had more jam than Hartley's this season, haven't they, in the game. <laughs> they've, done, they've rolled their luck, haven't they? But fair play to them. Fair play to them. They, they've rolled a lot. They've, they, they've probably had a fair share of it, but I, I think it epitomises in the way they played at Leeds the week before. They've got, they've got a Leeds away the week before a semi-final and they went there and won. And I thought that was a great result for them. They played the... I mean, they've not got any reserves to play really, have they? But they played the full-time side and won and then went and won at Wembley. So you, you can't whack that. And They're a bit like us. They've not been there since 1971 in a cup final. So I think it's great that a new team's won it. Yeah, and that wonder try from from Batley against Halifax, where the ball just gets oh. moved around. I mean, what what magic that was! Elliot Keir as well, wasn't yeah. it? Thomas Alford player. Yeah, who got the try? You just got to feel sorry for Luke Hooley who missed the conversion. Yeah. It was a difficult conversion. Well, that would have drawn the game, wouldn't it? But I was really pleased for Dan Murray and Ryan Lannan. They yeah. were in the Halifax team, weren't they? And pleased for Halifax as well because they're a club that's been out of the limelight for a long time. Then did they get relegated? Two thousand and Three, I think they went down. They've not been in the Super League for 20 years, have they? So, and they're a good club, good people, and a very historic club. So, they could be a dark horse for that championship. They beat Featherston last week. So, that goes down to a playoff, doesn't it? I know Featherston are dominating the championship, but they've got to win a grand final, haven't they? So, Halifax could be could be coming back up again. You never know. Yeah, good karaoke pub in, in Halifax, the Railway. Did a bit of karaoke in there good back in the out. glory days. It's a cracking day out, Halifax. Mm. I remember the last time we went there, the league was it. Well, we played a bit first division, didn't we, about 2008, but 2002, yeah. I remember us being 15-0 up at half-time and we nearly tossed it away in the second half at 1-15-12 or something like that, but a shay. And uh, no, it's like a throwmile, it was a great place to go and Halifax is a is a good away trip, so I'd love to see them back in Super League. Did Ashley Gibson score twice that day? I, I think he did. Yeah, just popped into the end. Yeah, we got relegated, wasn't it? Mm. We got relegated that season, but we I think we won a couple of games on the bounce. We won there, and I think we beat London and a couple of other teams. We didn't win many matches that season. No. no it was poor. Through the drunken A's, I remember that. So, another great show. Really enjoyed it. Good chat. Feel happy. Feel ready to, to go and attack Huddersfield on uh, Friday. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's amazing that you miss a week for the, for the cup final and you 
I don't know. I think I needed a week off after that Sailors game, but now I can't wait to go again now. So, so yeah, looking forward to it. It should be a good game. Uh, Friday night at Huddersfield, under the lights. Should be exciting. Yeah, Park is not here. He's hobnobbing at the Lance Todd Trophy dinner with Rugby League royalty. We're not jealous, not even a little bit. No, it should be a good do though, shouldn't it? With uh, Lee, I'm sure it's, there'll be plenty of leopard print there, won't they, in the uh, the hotel where they're having it, the restaurant where they're having it. But I think Lachlan Lamb was a worthy winner of uh, that trophy. And I actually looked at the odds on Saturday morning. He was 3-1 to one to win the Lance Todd. And I said to RL, and I said, oh, what, I might have a 10 on him because if Lee are going to win... I said, I think they'll vote for him just because of the story of his dad and, and what have you. So, so I, I wish I had him really, but I think he thoroughly deserved it. He played really, really well and he's, he's a very special player. Yeah, and all our YouTube watchers will see a Chris Hemworth lookalike, which Paul's uh, wheeled out today with that little uh, blow-away tash he's wearing. And who, and stuff. Lookalike. I think it's called who Chris Hemsworth from one of the Marvel films. Oh, right, mm. right. Let's see, see how long this lasts for. Tune, <laughs> tune in. See your Hall's <laughs> blow away tash. Beautiful stuff. So, big thanks to joining us on this podcast. Big thanks for all the donations via the Kofi. Um, helps us produce this podcast and pay for the programmes, which allows us to produce this, Paul. Yeah, yeah. It's all uh, very gratefully received, isn't it, Rob? And uh, we thoroughly enjoy doing it, don't we? Yeah, fantastic stuff. Really enjoy it. Uh, and it's been another great show. So, big thanks for joining us on this Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkinson. You can find us on Devil in Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. Good luck, Reds. We'll see you soon. Ha, 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 ha.